Evidence and Answers. One of the most dangerous ideas embraced by our culture today is the new tolerance. What is the new tolerance, and why is it so dangerous? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's message by Dr. Zucran was recorded at our recent Hawaii Apologetics Conference. This conference is hosted each year by Pat. Pat presents many renowned Christian apologists and international speakers, all experts in their field. This year's theme is Apologetics That Connects. If you're unable to hear the entire message. All of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat Zucran with part one of his message entitled, The New Tolerance. Good evening. So good to see you. Well, I want to talk to you today about one of the most corrosive and destructive ideologies that has gained a strong foothold in our culture today, and that is that of the New Tolerance. Today, one of the worst things that you can be labeled is intolerant. Hey, that's equal as racism or ignorance. And many of us are afraid of being called intolerant by those around us, whether at school or at work. However, one of the most dangerous ideas being embraced by our culture today is a new, dangerous, and false definition of tolerance. Now, tolerance is one of the most valued virtues of our day, but it is also one of the most misunderstood and the most misapplied. And often the charge leveled against Christians today is that Christianity is dangerous because it is a religion that practices and teaches intolerance. Christians consider their beliefs and values to be true and universal to all, and that is the cause of much of the conflict in society today. However, the tolerance that our culture embraces today is a false and dangerous definition. Let me tell you the difference between the two definitions of tolerance. Now, the dictionary definition of tolerance, according to Webster's Dictionary, is this, to recognize and respect others' beliefs and practices without sharing them. In other words, true tolerance values, respects, and accepts the individual without approving or participating in his or her beliefs or behaviors. We agree to disagree, but will engage in civil discussion and discussions on the facts, presenting evidence, trying to persuade one person to the other. Now, this type of tolerance is based on three assumptions. First, there is such thing as absolute truth out there that is objective, and it's our duty to pursue it and discover it. Second, that the parties in dispute think they know what the truth is, and the fact that they disagree, they think their position is correct. And the parties in dispute, they agree, the best chance of discovering the truth is by a lively discussion presenting the truth in an unhindered exchange of ideas, even if one party may be offended. Now, this type of tolerance, true tolerance, is based and rooted in biblical teaching. The Bible teaches 
that all human life is valuable, even the lives of those who disagree with the biblical message. Jesus taught, love your enemies, forgive those who persecute you, pray for those who persecute you. Christianity always emphasized that it was a faith for all people. Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus taught radical lessons on accepting others into the kingdom, especially those who were rejected by society. In John chapter 4, the disciples were surprised to see him talking to a Samaritan woman who had gone through four husbands and was living with someone who was not her husband. When Jesus was asked, then who is my neighbor? He responded by telling the story of the Good Samaritan. And wherever in the world you go, people know the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, he picked a Samaritan, a race despised by the Jews. Jesus did the unthinkable by touching and healing the lepers. Women were treated as equals. Peter calls them co-heirs in Christ with men. And wherever the gospel has gone around the world, you see it's the great liberator of women. Now, although Jesus and the apostles accepted all people, they did not tolerate behavior that was immoral or teachings that were false. Jesus and the apostles spoke out against false teachings, false doctrine, and injustice. You see, When the Gentiles were being exploited there in the Jerusalem temple in John chapter 2 in great anger, Jesus overturned the marketplace there at the temple. You look in Matthew chapter 23. He says this to the religious leaders who were teaching false doctrine at that time. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So Jesus and the apostles, although they reached out to all peoples, there were teachings that they stood against, immoral behavior, injustice, false teachings, regarding God and salvation are the things they stood against. Some of the most stinging rebukes come against false teachings of the religious leaders of that time. This true tolerance is rooted in biblical teaching. If we followed the teachings of Christ and the apostles, we'd have a very healthy and tolerant kind of society. Now, we Christians have not always demonstrated this, so we must be careful ourselves that we are not being uncivil in defending our positions. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, always be prepared to give an answer, an apologia, to every man, the reason for the hope that you have within you. But a lot of people forget the last half of that verse. It says, But do this with gentleness and respect. And the Greek word there for respect or reverence is the same reverence that we are to show the Lord. Now that's the traditional definition of tolerance. 
The new definition, the new tolerance that has arisen, twists the meaning of tolerance. The new tolerance is built on the idea that we cannot really know true reality, and therefore, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is not discovered. Truth then is created by each individual. And the truth about reality really cannot be known. No one has the corner on truth. Therefore, the new tolerance teaches this. All beliefs, lifestyles, and truth claims are equally valid and true. Therefore, no one has the right to judge another person's view as right or wrong. Since all beliefs are equally valid and true, we should tolerate all beliefs and all lifestyles. This new definition now dominates the culture, even the church. Recent survey by George Barna, a Christian sociologist who studies trends in the modern church, in his massive survey discovered that over half of teens in good evangelical Bible teaching churches believe and adhere to the new tolerance. What is wrong for one person is not necessarily wrong for anyone else. Nearly 80% of Americans adhere to this definition of new tolerance. And we see that permeating our culture today. Just a few years ago, we were the first state to pass a bill celebrating September 24th as Islam Day here in Hawaii. Brought to us by Senator Will Espero, pushed on by the Muslim Students Association that actually had connections with the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, what is the reason in which Will Espero gave for pushing this bill to celebrate Islam Day here in Hawaii on September 24th? It wasn't that they had studied the teachings of the Quran or had studied the life of Muhammad or the history of how Islam spread and the teachings of Islam regarding unbelievers. The reason given was tolerance. When you read the article, Senator Espero says, we are a state of tolerance. We understand that people have different beliefs. We may not all agree on every single item and issue out there. But to say and highlight the negativity of the Islamic people is an insult to the majority of believers who are good law-abiding citizens of the world. Now, most Muslims are peace-loving people. But I think the religion of Islam, the life of Muhammad, the history of Islam needs to be carefully studied. But the reason given for this bill was, quote, tolerance. Now, a culture that accepts this new definition of tolerance is really drinking its own poison. Now, let me explain to you why this new definition will have a very corrosive effect, not only on the church, but our nation as a whole. There are several failures to this new definition of tolerance. First of all, truth by its nature is absolute, narrow, and exclusive. Truth exists. It's undeniable. I was at a university, and a 
young student confronted me on what I was teaching, and he says, I disagree with everything you say because there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. So I looked at him and I said, let me repeat what you just said. There's no such thing as truth. He said, yes. And I said, I'm going to repeat it one more time. There's no such thing as truth. And he, he angrily said, yes, that's what I said. So he still didn't get it. So I looked at him and I said, is that a true statement you just made? So to say there's no such thing as truth is a truth statement. Truth exists. It's undeniable. Truth by its nature is exclusive. It's narrow. Truth is narrow because it excludes its opposite. When someone says, oh, you're narrow-minded, you can say, well, that's the nature of truth. Aristotle's law of non-contradiction says this, opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. It's a universal law of logic. It's the basic foundation of logic. Opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. If God exists, then the proposition God does not exist cannot be true. Truth is narrow because it excludes its opposite. Truth is absolute. It's universal and it's narrow. Two plus two equals four and only four. Not five, not ten, not eight, not whatever I want it to be. Two plus two equals four. Oh, how intolerant. How narrow-minded. Well, that's the nature of truth. A triangle has three sides. That's true in Africa, it's true in America, and it's true in Asia. And a triangle only has three sides. Not four, not five, only three. My, how intolerant, how narrow-minded. That's the nature of truth. In 2015, Barack Obama is the president of the United States. Well, that's an absolute truth. In 2015, it is true, Barack Obama is the president of the United States. That's the nature of truth. Truth, by its nature, is absolute, it's narrow, and it's exclusive. When you go to your accountant, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth. Okay? When you go to your doctor or your pharmacist, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth. Okay? When you get your prescription and you ask the pharmacist, how many pills do I take? You don't want him to say, one, two, three, oh, whatever you want, go right ahead. You hope they have a narrow view of truth. That's the nature of truth. Truth is absolute. Truth is narrow. Truth is exclusive. And the only way to determine truth is by open-minded consideration and discussion of the evidence. When faced with competing truth claims, the only way to arrive at a meaningful conclusion is by looking and discussing at the facts and considering the evidence. So if someone says, oh, you're narrow-minded, well, that's the nature of truth. Second, all beliefs, lifestyles, and values are not what we call morally equivalent. Should we tolerate all values, beliefs, and lifestyles as equally valid and true? Or are there ideas that we would consider false and dangerous that we must have the courage to stand up against? 
Should we tolerate ideologies that teach racism? Should we tolerate the values of the KKK and allow them to proliferate in our culture here? Do their ideas deserve to be respected and be considered equally true as all others? Or should we stand against their ideologies as false? Should we tolerate the ideology of Nazi Germany? I'm glad we did not. Should we tolerate the ideologies of the Taliban and other radical Islamic groups? Their ideas deserve to be respected and considered equally valid and true as all others? Or should we stand against this kind of ideology? Should we tolerate groups that teach racial discrimination or allow for the abuse of women or the exploitation of children? Consider several facets of Islamic teaching. For example, historic Islam. How were they to treat unbelievers, those who are not Muslims? Well, chapter 9 of the Quran is a guideline. Fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem. Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold forbidden that which hath been forbidden by Allah and his prophet, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are people of the book, until they pay the heavy jizya tax of the unbeliever and live with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. So according to the teachings of the Quran and the way Muhammad lived, if you're not a follower of Islam, you have one of three choices. Convert, meet the sword, or live as a second-class citizen paying the heavy unbeliever's tax. Is that an ideology we want to allow to proliferate? Or is that one we should stand against? How about the, some of the teachings we find in the Quran and in the Hadith? Men are the maintainers of women because Allah has made some of them to excel others and because they span out of their property. The good women are therefore obedient, guarding the unseen as Allah has guarded. And those on whose part you fear desertion, admonish them and leave them alone in the sleeping places and beat them. Then if they obey you, do not seek away against them. Surely Allah is high and great. Women, should we allow this kind of teaching? to be proliferated to our young people and throughout our culture? Or should we stand against this ideology and say, no, we consider this a false and dangerous kind of teaching that we stand against? Well, what about this? In the Hadith, the Prophet said, isn't the witness of a woman equal to half that of a man? The women said yes. And he said, this is because of the deficiency of a woman's mind. Women, is that the kind of teaching we should be allowed to, to say equally valid and true and should be allowed to proliferate throughout our culture? Well, the vast majority of us here would not tolerate such kinds of teachings. However, if all beliefs are equally valid and true, if truth is relative, then on what basis can we judge these teachings as true or false? What grounds do we have to oppose these ideas as false or harmful? You see, a society like a healthy human body, a healthy human body can tolerate a lot of things that come into its system. 
But when things come into the body that is not healthy, the body automatically knows to reject it and fight against whatever dangerous thing has entered into the body. And true tolerance has moral guidelines and boundaries. A truly tolerant society can distinguish between laws that are morally good and laws that are unjust and would be harmful. They can distinguish between ideologies and behaviors that are moral and immoral. Next, the new tolerance is not livable. Even its own advocates do not practice it. See, the truth of a teaching can be seen if you can live it out consistently. Right? For example, Christianity. Can we live out the truths of Christ consistently? Maybe not perfectly, only Jesus could, but can we live it out consistently? Well, the new tolerance, as you can see, even its own advocates have trouble living it out consistently. You see, the unspoken reality is that your position will be tolerated as long as you follow the party line. Once you express a position that we don't like, we're going to label you intolerant. We saw this recently with the NFL football coach, Tony Dungy. Just a couple of years ago, they asked him, would you draft the openly gay linebacker from the University of Missouri, Michael Sam? And Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach of the Indianapolis Colts, said this, I wouldn't have drafted him. Not because I don't believe Michael Sam should have a chance to play, but I wouldn't want to deal with all the distractions. It's not going to be totally smooth. Things will happen. Well, what happened to Tony Dungy the very next day? He got roasted all over the news. He was called a racist, a bigot, intolerant. People were calling for his firing from the news, from the sports news arena. Keith Oberman, on his talk show, labeled Tony Dungy the world's worst person in sports. He called Tony Dungy a hypocrite, compared Tony Dungy's comments equal to racism. Now, those of us who had the privilege of meeting Tony Dungy probably know he's one of the most gracious men you're ever going to meet. I don't know if there's a hateful bone in this man's body. A very kind and gracious man, yet because he said that, he was labeled as intolerant. Now remember, just the year before, similar comments were made about another football player. Almost every coach was saying, we wouldn't draft Tim Tebow because he would be a distraction. See, Tim Tebow was a very outspoken Christian very outspoken about his faith, and most coaches said, I wouldn't draft him because he'd just be a distraction. Tony Dungy pretty much said the same thing, but Tony Dungy got roasted by the news all over the United States. So you see, the new tolerance is actually a very intolerant position. It's not livable. Even advocates of it, the gay community, crying out, for us to tolerate their alternative lifestyle when anyone speaks out against it, we're labeled intolerant. They will not tolerate us. 
Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please partner with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and answers.